Welcome everyone to Daf Yomi one week at a time, Masechet Baba Kama. Today is our eighth lesson, and we are going to be reviewing Daf 49 to 55. Uh, and we're back to Wednesday nights, Bezrat Hashem. Um, Okay, uh, the Mishnah tells us uh, we're we're a few lines uh, up on the bottom of Daf Forty Eight. Um, we're talking about uh, again. Unfortunately, these are uh, accidents and uh, things that happen. The Torah tells us that if a man or person strikes a pregnant woman and she miscarries, so then that person who who um, who did the injury has to pay for the value of the fetus. This is called Dmei Vladot. Dmei as in money, Damim. Vlad means uh, of a um, of a, a fetus. So now the Mishnah is going to teach us who needs to pay and what the case is. Uh, so the Mishnah tells us that if an ox intended to gore a person and it gored a pregnant woman by accident, right, instead, uh, the owner of the ox does not pay dmei uh, vladot. Um, it's only if a person causes the injury, not if an animal causes the injury. If a person accidentally hit a woman and she miscarries, then they need to pay dmei uh, vladot. And the Mishnah explains that dmei vladot is um, we assess the value of the woman when she was pregnant. And now that she isn't pregnant, and then the difference in her value um, is what's called dmei vladot. Um, so uh, another, so that's one opinion. Another opinion is that we assess the value of the actual fetus. Um, so now in Daf uh, Daf forty nine tells us that the money goes to the husband. Um, or to his heirs, um, meaning if the husband is no longer there, so then uh, it goes to his children. Um, if she was a non-Jewish slave, or she didn't have um, any heir because um, she was uh, a convert and she's married to a convert who didn't have any children, so then the person is exempt from paying this money. Um, if an ox intended to gore the pregnant woman, you're still exempt from paying the dmei vladot. Uh, again, as I mentioned, it's only if the person does the injury, not if the ox does the injury. Um, if an ox gored a non-Jewish slave, um, you do pay uh, dmei vladot, and here it's because um, she is property, um, and you pay for the property that is lost. Um, now, we said that this money um, for the miscarriage is the value of the fetus, um, or it's the loss of the wife's value when she was pregnant, or um, maybe only the, the value of the fetus, um, or it's the value of the fetus that goes to the husband, and the value of her loss, meaning her value, uh, again, that being said, um, right, if she were to be sold, what would be her value? So the, the change in or the loss of that value is then split between the husband and the wife. Um, so those are different opinions on who the money goes to. Um, you also need to pay for damages. 
um, and for suffering. Um, those two things go to the woman herself. Again, she's the one who is damaged and is suffering. Dmei um, vladot, the money for the miscarriage goes to the husband. Um, and we said the money that's uh, the loss of her value is split between the husband and the wife. Um, now the Gemara explains that you only pay this, uh, this um, penalty if you, the person struck a woman in her torso and that causes the miscarriage, but if he struck her on her arm or her leg um, and then she miscarries later, um, you're exempt from paying. Uh, however, the sages say, no, 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 you're still liable, meaning if you caused injury and that caused a miscarriage, you still need to pay for it. Um, if a um, if a person uh, struck a woman, and again, she miscarries, and she was a convert, and her husband also died before this happened, so then she gets to keep the Dmei Vladot. Another opinion is, no, um, no one gets the rights to the Dmei Vladot, and, and they don't have to pay it. Or it is awarded. Um, right, it's awarded to the husband, and if there's no husband, then nobody gets it. Um, there's a machloket if a woman was married to a convert and then he died. So does she, again, does she get the money or nobody gets it? Um, or maybe she just gets the difference in value um, of her uh, of her value. Um, okay, since we're talking about converts and um, them dying without any heirs, right? If they don't have any children. Um, so then their assets become what's called a hefker, which means um, ownerless. Um, and a person seizes, um, right? Let's say a person seizes a document that says that this is his land. So then the Gemara says that person does not acquire the land just by seizing the document because they didn't do any act of ownership to the land. Um, and you don't even acquire the value of the paper because you didn't do you didn't do any acquisition to the land itself. Um, if a person has an item of collateral um, with a convert and then he dies without heirs, so then the item goes back to its owner. Um, another person cannot acquire it, meaning it does not become um, ownerless. Let's say. Um, the opposite, right? The convert left an item with a, with a Yisrael, with a, a Jew, and then the convert dies without any heirs. Um, another person can acquire it if it exceeds the value of the loan. Um, but if it does not exceed the value of the loan, then the lender is the one who keeps that, uh, that item in uh, payment for the loan. Okay, our next Mishnah is now, we're now going to talk about um, the, the idea of the pit, the bore. Okay, bore means a pit. Um, uh, we finished with shore, we finished with the ox causing damage. Now we're going to talk about people, things falling into a pit. We'll see where it is and how it got there. Okay, so a pit. Um, if a person digs a pit on his property, but it opens into the public domain or the opposite, meaning he digs a pit in the public domain and it opens into his private domain. 
Um, and then he gives up ownership of the pit itself, and he lets the public come and use this pit, um, or he digs it in his private property and he opens it um, into another private domain. So the person who dug the pit is liable for all of these cases. Um, okay, so now the Gemara explains. It's a machloket which type of pit is mentioned in the Torah. When the Torah says that a pit is damaged, uh, causes damage, and you're liable for it. So the question is, in the Torah, is it that you dug it in the private domain and it opens into the public domain? Or you dug it in the private domain, but you gave up ownership to the area around the pit, um, and, um, and now you're responsible for it. Um, everyone agrees that if he dug it in the public domain, that he is liable, right? Everyone agrees that that is a liability. The question is, if it's somehow connected to some private property, um, what is the person's liability? Okay, Daf 50 tells us um, that the Torah says, Baal Habor, the, the, um, the owner of the pit. So it means that he owns it, right? So therefore, even if the pit is in his property, or maybe no, it has to be that he made it ownerless, hefker, right? He made it ownerless. Again, everyone, uh, not again, a new thing. Everyone agrees that if the pit was in um, his own, uh, his own uh, property, that he's liable. Um, but there's a machloket if it's in the public domain and he doesn't own it, but he dug it, right? You just went to the middle of the street and you dug a pit. You don't own the, the pit. You just dug something in the middle of the street. So are you liable or not? So that's a little bit different than what we just said before in the Mishnah. So the verse says that a person is liable if he uncovers a pit or if he digs the pit. Um, you can't dig a pit in the public domain um, or something that opens into the public domain. If you dig, let's say you dig a foundation for your house. So, and that comes close to the street. You have to build a wall to separate it from the public domain, right? So I know, I don't know, in America, I'm sure also in America, but in Israel, right, if you're doing construction and it's near a street, you have to put up like a fence, right, That or a gate or something that says construction site, please be careful, right? Because otherwise, if it's close to the public street, it's dangerous, somebody can walk in. And then the question is, right, are you liable or not? Um, right, so either you have to build a wall or you have to separate your, um, your digging at least four tfachim, four hand breaths from the main thoroughfare. Um, but if the foundation goes into the public domain, um, so here the Gemara says you're exempt, the foundation. Uh, that is not seen as a pit, um, but um, we'll see other things that are seen as a pit. Um, let's say you dig and then open up a pit, and then give it to the public. So you say, oh, look, I just made this for everyone. So then you're exempt because you don't own it. So if you don't own it, you don't have a responsibility. 
Um, if you don't give it to the public, so then you're liable. It's your pit, so then you're liable. Um, and here the Gemara um, has a story about Nehunia, the ditch digger. Again, a ditch is a type of uh, a type of pit. Again, the Gemara is going to talk about different shapes, um, but a ditch is a, a long pit. Um, and it says that he kept this halacha. He was very careful about the ditches that he uh, that he dug. Again, uh, here I, I think the understanding is that when he's digging a ditch, it's uh, like um, like civic works, right? So probably some sort of um, drainage ditches. Uh, he's doing it for the town, uh, and he was very careful. Um, and then the Gemara says that his daughter actually fell into a cistern, which is a pit filled with water. Um, and she was saved because her father was very careful when he dug, uh, when he dug ditches. So uh, she was saved because of her father being so meticulous to this, um, to this law. Interestingly, though, the Gemara tells us that his son did die of thirst. So it seems that there is something going on here with water. Uh, the Gemara says maybe it's because God is very exacting with righteous people and he was very righteous, um, but it does seem very tragic. Um, the Gemara continues, you shouldn't throw stones from your property to the public property because you don't always, um, you may not always own your property, but the public is always there and available to you. So you have to be very careful that you're not causing any damage in the public domain. Okay, the next Mishnah tells us that if you dig a pit in the public domain, again, in the middle of the street, and an animal falls into it, so then you are liable. Again, there seems to be some sort of ownership uh, there. Um, it does not matter what kind of shape it is, and this is the Mishnah gives different um, shapes, right? If it's a pit, that means it's round. If it's a ditch, that means it's long. Uh, there's square ones. There's ones with a like a, a like kind of a cup, a roof to it. Um, but either way, uh, anytime you build, you dig a pit in a in a public thoroughfare, you are liable. Um, how deep? Does the pit need to be for you to be liable? Um, ten tzvachim, right? Ten hand breaths um, is what causes an animal to die. And therefore, if it is ten tzvachim and an animal falls in uh, and dies, then you are liable. If it's less than ten tzvachim, then you're exempt uh, if the animal falls in and dies, but you are liable for any damage that occurs to uh, that occurs to the animal because less than 10 causes damage, 10 and above causes death. Now we're going to discuss what does it mean that this pit that's 10 tfachim causes death. There are two opinions. So the Gemara says either it's because of the fall, right? 10 tfachim, even though it doesn't seem like it's very far, but Let's say, right, ten tfachim, an animal falls in, it gets injured. Um, so that's option number one because of the impact. Option number two um, is something called hevel. Hevel means foul air. 
there was an idea that if you dig down into the ground, up, you know, to, uh, sorry, from 10 Tvachim and lower, it releases some sort of gaseous material, gases or something that is dangerous and fatal. Um, so it is not the actual fall that causes the death, but these fumes that are at the bottom of the pit. And this is going to be important as we continue learning in the Gemara. So this is a machloket. Either it's the impact of the fall or it's the, the fumes at the bottom of the pit. Um, okay, so now the Gemara says, well, there's a machloket. If a, what if a person made a ramp? That's tent fachim into uh right in the street, and then right, so the animal goes up these tent fachim, and then the animal falls off into the onto the street and dies. Right? So then is it like a pit and then you're liable because it fell from tent fachim height, so that would imply injury, right? Or are you exempt because there's no foul air? Right on street level, um, so that is a machloket. Um, okay, that's one machloket. The next machloket is um, there's an opinion that an animal has to fall head first into the pit, um, and it, and that is where you are liable. This shows that we're talking about inhaling the fumes, right? Because if you go in face first, you inhale the fumes and you die. Um, so um, the Gemara says also that um, that the bore, a pit, could be something that's squared off um, or it's like a wedge. Um, either way, all of these um, would have foul air in them, um, even though they have different shapes. Um, and that's why they are liable if an animal falls in there. We said less than 10 tfachim. So we said if it's less than 10 tfachim, it it you're liable for damage, not death. So the Gemara says that the foul air in a pit that's less than 10 tfachim affects, right, get, damages the animal. It doesn't kill the animal because you're not deep enough. Um, okay. Um, Duff 51 um, talks about, uh, so since we're talking about animals falling into pits, now the Gemara talks about a person who is um, sentenced to stoning. Um, there are four types of capital punishments. Uh, I don't think we've learned this yet. This is primarily in Masachet Sanhedrin, but there are four types of capital punishments based on the different transgressions. Uh, there is uh, being killed by a sword. Uh, there is strangulation. There is burning, which is not like burning at a stake, but they actually um, poured hot lead down someone's uh, throat. I'm not going to get into details. Um, and the fourth one is stoning. Um, and the Gemara here talks about that when a person is going to be stoned, they actually build a tall structure and they put him on the top of the structure and they, he, I don't know, push him off or he jumps off or he is. Uh, he is sent off this structure, and if he doesn't die on impact, so then people throw rocks at him. Um, 
So it says that this structure needs to be at least two stories tall so that he will die quickly. Uh, and here the Gemara talks about a, uh, a good death. What does that mean? Uh, it sounds like a dichotomy, but uh, it, or an oxymoron, right? But the idea is that um, the a person is is um, punished by getting capital punishment, but we don't want him to suffer um, more than he needs to. Um, and therefore, the especially in Masachat Sanhedrin, it talks about the best way to kill someone uh, so that it is quick. Uh, that they don't suffer, uh, that it's just a uh, with with dignity uh, as much as we can, uh, and therefore it shouldn't be too tall uh, and it shouldn't be too short, uh, too yeah too short. Um, okay, um, since we're talking about falling off of things, so the Gemara talks about a roof of a building, right? If you own a house and you have a roof. You have to put up a fence, right? This is called ma'ake. Uh, you have to put a, this is a mitzvah. It's a commandment to put up a fence on your uh, roof. And it has to be that the roof is at least 10 tfachim above the um, public domain. Um, if it's less, you don't need a fence. So it shows that 10 tfachim causes death, is dangerous. Um, Okay, the Gemara says, well, really, let's say that the pit was six tfachim, but um, an ox, right, I guess you can look at the picture here, right, his stomach is four tfachim from the ground. So when an ox falls into the pit, really he's falling ten tfachim because he's four tfachim you know, like his stomach is four tzvachim from the ground and then six tzvachim of the pit. Um, and therefore, um, that should be uh, ten tzvachim and that would be liable. However, if the ox just kind of like rolls into the pit, so then he didn't fall from ten tzvachim uh, and then you wouldn't be liable. Um, I guess those are fascinating cases of <laughs> ways animals can fall into a pit. Um, Okay, the next Mishnah tells us that there's a pit owned by two people. Um, the first owner walks by um, and doesn't cover the pit. And then the second one walks by and doesn't cover the pit. Um, so then the second person is liable because he's the last person that was there. So the Gemara explains that this, this Mishnah works for Rabbi Akiva if the pit was in the private domain, so then you are liable. But how could it be owned by two people in the middle of the street, right? How do two people own a, a pit in the middle of the street? Um, so the Gemara says this is according to Rebbe, where let's say one person digs five tfachim in the middle of the street, and then another guy comes and digs five tfachim. So according to Rebbe, both of them are liable. Another opinion is, no, it's the last person that's liable and not the first person, right? Let's say a pit, um, let's say the pit was nine tfachim, and then now both of them come together and dig out the last tefach. Oh, that's how they can both be liable. Um, so now we have a machluket. Um, again, 
is it the last person or do you share responsibility? Right? So if a person dug the last tefach, only the last person is liable. That's according to Chachamim, to the sages. But Rebbe says the last person is liable for death, right? Because he made it from nine to ten. But both of them are liable for damages because the first person dug nine. That's already liable for damage. So he's liable. And the last person is also liable when he took out that last uh, that last um, tefach. Um, Again, right, so do we say when it says a man is liable, is it only the last person or there could be multiple people responsible? Um, okay, let's say the person dug a pit of 10 tfachim and then another person comes and digs another 10, meaning it makes it to 20 and then a third person to 30. So all of them are liable, right? Each one of these are liable. Let's say the second person made the pit narrower, right? So a pit was a certain width, and then he like plastered uh, the pit and made it um, like and cemented it and um, made it narrower. So now what's interesting is if this goes back to the reason for the liability, if we say that it's because of these toxic fumes, if the pit is narrower, that increases uh, the the uh, concentration of these fumes um, and therefore you would be all right you the se the second person would be liable and not the first person um so again the Gemara says why isn't the first person liable it was already ten tfachim. it must be that it was so wide that it didn't uh, cause this foul air, um, and therefore um, that person is exempt. Um, okay, let's say the pit had nine tfachim, and a person came and added a stone to the top of the pit, right? So he didn't dig down, but the top is now higher. So it's a machloket um, if there's a liability here, uh, because again, it doesn't if we're talking about this foul air, it doesn't add more foul air, but it does uh, increase injury, right? Because now the animal is falling um, from uh, right from a step above. So now it is still 10 tfachim. Um, let's say that the pit was nine and a person dug the extra tefach, but then he filled it in with dirt. Does it mean that the fact that he dug it that originally it becomes his pit, and now he's liable for the whole thing. So the Gemara says, Teku, we don't have an answer. Let's say it was eight tfachim deep, and then you filled it with two tfachim of water, right? So now you put water at the bottom. Um, the Gemara tells us that water increases, Hevel increases this foul air, and every tefach of water is like two Tfachim of land, right? So therefore, if it was eight and you add two Tfachim of water, it's as if you have a pit of 10 and therefore you are liable. Um, let's say it was seven Tfachim and three Tfachim of water, but now the pit isn't so deep. So we're not sure of the answer, Teku. Let's say it was 10 Tfachim deep and now a second person widens the mouth so again, it, if you widen it, it decreases that foul air, and then maybe you would be exempt. 
or it increases the danger because now you have a bigger pit in the middle of the street and therefore you're liable. So the Gemara says it depends on how the animal died. If the animal fell, fell face down, so then when it fell in, it breathed in this air and therefore and therefore you're exempt because you just made it wider and you you know released some of that air. If he fell face up, meaning backwards, so it's because of injury and you made it bigger, so you made it more dangerous, and therefore you are liable. Um, let's say the pit is as deep as it is wide. So I guess you make like a square or something. So now it does have this foul air, but if it's wider than it is deeper, it does not have foul air, or maybe it does. That's a must look at. Um, okay, let's say when the first person left the sec, ah, so let's go back to the Mishnah. First person left it open, second person came, also left it open. So the Gemara says that when the first guy left the second one in charge, so then he's exempt because he said, oh, you're coming? Okay, fine, you'll cover it. So he gave up responsibility to the second person. Or only right when he gives him the actual like bucket and says, okay, this is yours, that's when he gives him responsibility. But otherwise, it's still his responsibility. Um, and here, um, there's a machloket about Brera. Uh, if you remember, Brera is a, um, a, a fundamental principle in the Gemara, where Brera means, is there retroactive um, clarification? Meaning, at the time when you did an action, we weren't sure what you meant, but later on, it becomes clear what you meant. Um, and there's a machloket if that is um, val um, valid or not, right? So meaning, what does that mean, right? Let's say, right, when a person uses, right, again, let's let's talk about, let's say it's a cistern, right? So it's it's a big pit with water. So when you use your bucket, so now it's yours, right? Because you use the bucket. Um, so therefore, when it's your bucket, so it's your pit, so therefore you're liable. Or only when, right, you give him your bucket, that's when you're passing responsibility. Or no, it's always both people, meaning if you both own this cistern, you both have liability. It has nothing to do with who's taking water out of it now. You both have responsibility. So that's the question, right? How do you see a partnership? Do you say that everyone, right, that it's owned by both people, right? All of it is owned by both people. Or do you say each one um, has its own has its own part, right? So uh, that's how you can understand a partnership. Um, let's say a person bought a pit through chazaka, meaning they did some sort of action to acquire this pit. So when the owner hands over the cover of the pit, so then it becomes yours because you now have the cover. Um, Doc 52 tells us that when you get the keys to your house, that's when you own it, right? You're doing some sort of action, right? You lock the door, you open the door. Now it becomes yours, right? You can't pick up a house. Uh, you can't pick up a cistern. So what can you do to show that it's yours, right? So when you get the cover, when you get the bucket, when you get something that has to do with its ownership, 
it becomes yours. Okay, next Mishnah on 52. Um, a pit owned, again, by two people. If the first person covered it, and now the second person walks by and sees it uncovered, and then the second person doesn't cover it, so then he's liable. If a person covers the pit and then walks away, and then an animal falls into it, so the owner is exempt because he covered it. You're, the Gemara is going to ask if he covered it, how did the animal fall in, but we're going to get there in a minute. Um, if he didn't cover it properly, so then he's liable. And we're going to talk about what does it mean, cover it properly. Uh, so when I taught this, right, we, we were talking about, like, let's say if you have a pool in your backyard, and do you cover it? How do you cover it? Do you put a fence around it? Right? That's like a pit, right? It's a big hole with water. Um, okay. If an animal was startled by the sound of someone digging in your pit, right? Let's say you hired a worker to dig your pit, um, and then the animal was startled and fell face forward into the pit, so then you're liable. If it fell backwards, you are exempt. Okay, a person is liable for damage to an animal, but not for the utensils that the animal was carrying. So if the animal was carrying a barrel uh, of wine and it fell into the pit and the barrel of wine broke, um, you pay for any damage to the ox, you do not have to pay for the wine. This is based on a verse. Um, and you're, okay, you're liable for an ox that is, um, in Hebrew, right, the, the terms are cheresh, shoteh, and katan. Um, normally, this is talking about people. I actually misunderstood the first time that I read this. I thought it meant an ox that is owned by somebody who is deaf mute or insane or a minor, but that's not what it means. It means the ox itself is a deaf mute or insane or a minor. And we can discuss that. Um, but if he falls into the pit, you are liable. But if um, but if a person falls into a pit, you are not liable. Uh, we're going to see that a person needs to watch where they're going, um, and therefore uh, you are not liable if the person falls into the pit. Okay, let's talk more. The Gemara says. So that was the Mishnah. The Gemara now says um, the first. Okay, again, what was our case? A owned by two people, the first person covered it, the second person found it uncovered and then didn't cover it. So now the first person is exempt because he covered it till he sees that it's uncovered, right? He assumes, right, I walked by, it was covered. How long does he not have any responsibility for it? Um, till he knows that it's uncovered, like if he goes back again the next day or till someone tells him that it's uncovered, or till it takes him time to actually make a new cover, that's how long he has to repair the pit. Um, let's say, okay, so now we're gonna talk about covering it properly or not properly. Um, let's say you have a place that commonly has camels that walk by. So now we're gonna talk about two types of, um, I guess, animals that walk down the road. You have, um, I guess three types, like sheep, right, small animals, oxen, bigger animals, and camels, like very large animals, okay? So if you live in a place where camels walk by regularly, 
So then the cover needs to withstand their weight, right? Because if, right, think about it as like a pothole cover needs to withstand the weight of a car. It also needs to withstand the weight of a truck if trucks are going to pass by this you know, highway, but if it's a small country road and there are no trucks that go down the road, so then the pot, the pot cover, pothole cover uh, doesn't need to be strong to withstand, you know, tractor trailers. Okay, so that's what we're going to say. So let's say if we know that camels walk by, so then it needs to be strong enough. And if it's not strong enough, you're liable because you did not cover it properly. If he covered it properly for oxen, but not for camels, because camels don't usually walk by this road. And let's say they do come by and they weaken the cover and then an ox falls in. So you're exempt because you covered it properly. It's not your fault, right? You don't have to put chains and everything around it if you don't expect these heavy animals to walk by. or Maybe it was strong enough for the animals, but in this case, maybe worms came and weakened the cover from underneath. Again, the cover was probably wood. So you covered it, but you didn't realize that it was weak. Um, and then maybe that's why you're exempt because you did what you what you were supposed to, but it was weakened because of extenuating circumstances. Or maybe it's in a place where camels sometimes comes, come and it needs to be strong enough for them and it wasn't so then you're liable because if they sometimes come you need to make sure that it's covered or maybe it wasn't strong enough for camels in a place that camels do come so meaning you did not cover it properly but it was weakened because of the worms it wasn't weakened right because of the camels um and the Gemara says, no, it seems that he's exempt because what could you have done? Meaning you made it, let's say you made it strong enough for the camels, so you did what you needed to do. Um, it doesn't need, uh, and you don't need to keep checking it every 10 minutes. Uh, I, I would imagine you need to check it every once in a while, but not every 10 minutes. Um, or maybe um, he is liable if it wasn't fit for the camels, even if it broke because of the worms. Again, uh, right, let's, we'll call it termites, uh, right? But if you have a place where camels do walk by, you need to make sure that it can withstand the weight of the camels. Okay, we now talked about the strange case about the ox being a deaf mute or a uh, insane or a minor, uh, or it's blind, or it's healthy, but it was a night, it was at night. All of these cases, you are liable if it falls into your pit. But if it's daytime and it's a normal ox, you're actually exempt because the assumption is that oxen are very smart. And if they see a hole in the street, they should have avoided it. And if they didn't see it for whatever reason, again, because they're, uh, you know, they they are weakened in some way, so then you are liable. Um, okay, a person is only liable if the animal fell, fell face forward into the pit. Again, this shows that it's about the foul air and not about injury. Uh, DA 53 tells us that this is according to Rav, um, who says, 
that when the Torah was talking about a pit, it was talking about the foul air. Therefore, you're only liable if it falls face forward. Shmuel says, no, you're liable even if it falls backwards, right? Again, because it hits its head or something like that. But if it tripped on a pit, but then it fell outside of the pit, so then you're exempt because it didn't fall into the pit. Um, Rav agrees that if the pit was in the private domain, you're liable even if it falls backwards, meaning no matter how it falls. Um, or if it's in the public domain, but it started falling forward, and then as it's falling, it flips over, so then you're liable. But if it only fell backwards, so then you're exempt. Um, okay. Um, Rav bases his opinion on the fact that it says vinafal and it fell, right? He says it fell the way normal people fall, right? When you trip and you fall, generally you fall forward, I guess, if you're walking, um, right? But uh, not backwards. So now the Gemara asks, the case in our Mishnah was that there was a guy digging in the pit. So the owner of the pit, who's not the digger, the owner of the pit has to pay. So now the Gemara says, why isn't the digger responsible? He's the one who caused the noise that caused the ox to fall. So the Gemara says that um, because he only caused it by making a sound, but didn't physically cause, right, push the animal in, so then he is, um, he's responsible, but he's not going to pay. So then the owner needs to pay for the damage. So now the Gemara brings up another case of, we'll call it shared responsibility. So here are the cases. Um, if an ox pushes another ox into the pit, okay, so the ox is doing what we would call Karen, right, an aggressive act, but the, the ox dies because it fell into the pit. So um, right, there are two damagers, right? The the ox, the the pusher, and then the pit. So the Gemara tells us that half of the damage is paid by the owner of the ox, and half of the damage is paid by the owner of the pit. Right? They split the uh, liability, and this is for a tam. Uh, sorry, this is for a muad because muad again, a warned ox, you have to pay. Full. So if they're paying full, they split it half and half. If the animal was tam, right, an innocent uh, ox, so then you, he only has to pay half. So now we split half, right? So ah, but here it says if you split half, right? So what happens? Um, the pit owner pays three quarters, and the owner of the ox pays a quarter. Um, so now the Gemara is going to explain this, right? Really, both are equally responsible, meaning the pit and the ox. Um, but since the owner of the ox would have to anyway pay half, right? Again, go to the case where um, the the ox was tam. So he would only have to pay half. So now the owner of the ox, ah, one second. And if you the, an animal falls into a pit, it doesn't matter, you have to pay full damage. So we would say, okay, you pay half, you pay half. But now the owner of the ox is saying, wait a minute, I would have to pay half if my ox did the damage on its own. Now that we're splitting it, I only wanna pay a quarter. 
So then he says to the owner of the pit, okay, you need to pay the rest. You know, I'm not, I'm not paying it. So according to, so this is actually a According to Rabbi Natan, the, what we would call the nizak, the, the owner of the pit, that the owner of the ox that fell into the pit is owed full compensation. So he has to get it from somewhere. So if the owner of the ox is only going to pay a quarter, then he can collect three quarters from the owner of the pit. That's according to Rabbi Natan. Rabbi Natan says that the owner of the dead ox collects full payment, and they have to figure out who's paying what. Chachamim say, no, it doesn't go by what you're owed. It goes by what you need to pay. So the owner of the ox says, I'm only paying half of what I owe, right? I'm supposed to pay half, but I'm going to pay half of that, so that's a quarter. And then the owner of the pit says, well, I only need to pay half, so I'm paying half. So then the owner of the dead ox gets three quarters, and he loses the other quarter. So that's according to Chachamim. Rabbi Natan says, no, the the owner of the dead ox is always going to get full payment. So that goes back to our question. The dicker is going to say, hey, listen, buddy, I didn't touch your ox. Your ox just fell in. That's not my fault. So the owner, the digger says, I'm not paying anything. So then the owner of the dead ox goes to the owner of the pit and says, pay up. You need to pay me full. So that's an explanation of that. Okay. Let's say a person left a stone at the edge of someone else's pit and the ox tripped over the stone and fell into the pit. Again, it's a machloket who has, um, who has um, responsibility. Again, they share responsibility, but how much? Um, let's say, again, uh, the Gemara continues and talks about how people stay, um, how people um, will split the damages when both things both parties are responsible. The Gemara gives a great case. A person and an ox push a person or an animal into a pit. So now we have three damagers, right? The person, the ox, and the pit. So now the Gemara tells us, and this is like a very good um, kind of overview, that everybody is liable for damages. Right, the person, the ox, and the pit owner, right? The owner of the ox and the pit. They have to pay for damages. If we're talking about paying for humiliation and unemployment and all of that, that's only the person has to pay, right? If a person damages, they have to pay the four extra um, penalties, but not the owner of the ox and not the owner of the pit. Um, if the person died, so then to pay kofar, right? There was a payment that you have to pay if the person if a person died. So that's only the owner of the ox would have to pay kofar. A person who pushes another person into a into a pit does not pay kofar. That's only for the ox, and also the owner of the pit does not pay kofar. Um, and if the utensils um, break, only the person and the ox owner are liable but the owner of the pit is exempt. Remember we said the owner of the pit does not, um, does not have to pay if utensils are broken. Um, okay, next, DAF 54. Um, okay, 
says um, that, um, hold on one second, uh, that uh, when we say that at, you're liable for animals that fall in, it includes any animals, um, whether it's birds or wild animals, you're liable for all of them. Um, there is an opinion that Rabbi Huda says that you, the owner of the pit is responsible for um, um, utensils that break in the pit. Okay. Um, okay. So we said, right, if the, the, if the, the ox is smart, so then we said, you're not liable. The Gemara says, no, 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 you're also liable even if the ox is smart, meaning, I guess he's not that smart, uh, and he falls into a pit, so then you're liable. Again, it's a machloket um, if, um, again, if there is liability for a smart um, ox or not, um, right? Maybe he should have paid attention and you are exempt. Okay, next Mishnah. Any animal, as we said, any animal, if it falls into a pit, you're liable. Um, ah, so now we're going to talk about general laws about animals. So, all animals, if they fall into a pit, you're liable. Um, none, no animal was allowed to go up on Har Sinai, right? When they got the Torah, it says no animal is allowed to go up. If you steal an animal, you need to pay back double. Um, if it's lost, you need to return it. You can't put a muzzle on it. Um, you can't um, mate it with a different species, right? So kilaim, uh, it can't be mated with another species and it can't um, it can't pull a wagon or, or a plow together with another animal. This is called um, kilaim um, and for Shabbat as well. So this includes wild animals and birds and domesticated animals. Um, so the Gemara goes through um, how the Torah teaches that each uh, one of these things is based on a verse um, that it includes all types of animals, not only domesticated animals, um, and um, all of them are included. Um, okay, dot 55. Um, uh, okay, um, so it talks about um, that there's a, um, since we're talking about Shabbat, and animals, um, the Gemara at the bottom of 54 says that humans and animals need to rest on Shabbat. Now, um, if you look, um, for those of you that are familiar, right, we have the, the Ten Commandments written twice in the Torah, once in Shemot, in Exodus, and once in Dvarim, right, in Deuteronomy. So um, the, there are some slight differences in those two recountings of the Ten Commandments. And one of them is that animals are included um, in um, resting on Shabbat. Um, and since we're talking about the difference between um, the two, um, the two uh, recountings of the uh, Ten Commandments, the Gemara on 55 says, why does it say, use the word tov? good in the second version of the Ten Commandments, when talking about honoring your parents, it says, Liman yitav lach, right? You should honor your parents so that it will be good for you. Um, so the Gemara says, it doesn't mention it in the first set 
of tablet because they knew it was going to break. And therefore, it doesn't have the word tov in it because God didn't want us to lose goodness, uh, right? He didn't want goodness to be lost when they broke the first tablet. Um, and therefore, it is only on the second tablet. Um, since we're talking about the word tov, the Gemara tells us that if you see the letter tet in your dream, it's a good sign because tet equals is tov. Um, so that's a good sign. Um, maybe only if you see tet and a, and a vet, uh, tet and a bet, it means ta, it means tov, so it's good. Um, and here the Gemara talks about kilayim. What is kilayim? Um, when we have, um, Different animals, again, mating, the, um, um, it, so it talks about what are these different types of animals. If you have a wild and domesticated geese, um, they are kilaim. They cannot uh, mate, even though they're both geese. Uh, one is wild and one is domesticated. Um, because, again, uh, the Gemara talks about uh, physical differences between these two animals, not just that they live in different places. Um, there's, there is kilayim for sea animals as well, um, like for fish. Um, so now the Gemara asks, right, the issue of two animals pulling the same plow is that we don't want them to mate. So the Gemara says, well, what if, because you got to love the Gemara, what if there's a wagon that's on the bank of a river and there's a, a goat and a fish? Uh, right, and they're both pulling the wagon together, but one is on land and one is in the water. So would that be called kilaim, um, right? Because again, there are two different animals leading it together, um, or they could never be together. So who cares? Because the fish is never going to go on land and the goat is never going to go in the water. Um, the Gemara, of course, says teku, uh, and we do not have an answer. <clears throat> And that is the end of the fifth parak. Um, maybe we'll do just the Mishnah of the next parak. Um, we, we were talking about guarding animals properly or improperly. Well, we were talking about guarding pits properly or improperly. Now we're going to talk about guarding animals. So the Mishnah tells us that if you put your flock into the pen and you close the gate properly and the animal comes out and it causes damage, you're exempt because you closed the door properly. If it didn't close properly, so then you're liable. If it broke in the middle of the night or bandits came and broke it, so then you're exempt because it's not your fault. If the bandit let it out and then it caused damage, so then the bandit is liable, good luck, but he, the bandit is liable and you are exempt. Um, if you close the pen properly, but left the animals out in the sun where they were like suffering. Um, so then the animals got crazy and broke through. So then it's your fault. Um, and if you gave their their um, gave their watching over to a cheresh shotet or katan, right? Again, someone who doesn't have cognitive abilities, you are liable. Um, a shepherd is responsible for the animals that he is watching. Um, if an animal fell into a garden, so then you have to pay for what it benefited, right? It probably ate something. Um, if it walked in and caused damage, so then you need to pay for all the damage done, not just what it ate. 
um, and you have to pay for difference for the difference in value of the land with and without the the produce, um, or you can pay for the value of the produce. Um, okay, I think we are going to stop here. Um, and as Rats Hashem, we will meet again um, next Wednesday. And um, wishing everyone a wonderful week. Uh, and see you all next week. I can't ask a question. Huh?